What is up, guys, and welcome back to the Sweat It Out podcast. Today, we have a very interesting individual coming on here. He is the ESPN Spartan Voiced, the Spartan Pro, most podiums, all. He is part of the crew of Tough Race TV, Daily Burn Trainer, and two-time cap of NBC Spartan. Guys, please help me welcome the one and only Kevin Donahue. It's time to sweat it out with Anthony Mendez and Josh Evans. What is up, guys, and welcome back to the Sweat It Out podcast. Today we have an amazing guest. He is the voice, the ESPN voice of Spartan. He is also the part of the crew of Tough Tough Race TV. He is also a Daily Burn trainer and two-type captain of NBC Spartan. Guys, please give me a warm round of applause for the one and only Kevin Donahue. Something tells me that your uh, resting heart rate's a lot better than either of ours. <laughs> How's it going, you never man? Know, man. I'm, it's good. You never know with this pandemic how people are doing. So, I mean, I could have been 300 pounds right now and you don't even know it. <laughs> so, how you been, man? How are things going? I've been good. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I guess as good as anybody could be in, uh, you know, in the, the year that's been uh, 2020. Um you know, just for every bad thing that's happened, I've, uh, the, the counter to that, the yin and the yang is, you know, bad thing happened. Then you get hit, a, hit with a blessing. So it's been a, a lot of tough things followed by a lot of amazing things as well. Totally hear you on that, man. Totally hear you on that. So I definitely would love to dive in a little bit on, on, on that topic. So saying that you, Hey, tough things, great things. What did that look look like for you, especially during the beginning of the pandemic? I know also, too, we got connected with Hyrox. We had some stuff going with Hyrox. That kind of fell out. How did that continue on for you? What were some of the things you dove into to keep yourself afloat, to keep yourself moving um, during these times? Yeah, so, for example, um, uh, this year I was supposed to be hosting uh, my own podcast through Spartan. Right, We're going to be starting this whole new podcast, very similar to yours, health and fitness related, um, it was going to be a paid gig where I was coming into Manhattan for about, you know, two or three times a week with a studio on park Avenue. And it was supposed to be this whole big thing. And, you know, we obviously were expanding with our U S national series for Spartan. Um, there, there was the involvement with high rocks and, and so many other opportunities are going to happen. And I'm boarding a plane to go down to San Antonio, Texas. And I get an alert on my phone that the race was canceled. And I mean, this is literally, I was just handing my ticket over to the TSA person to let me go on the jetway. So I immediately pull it back and refund the flight, head home. Like, okay, I got a race in Vegas next week. That gets canceled. Then the next one, then the next one. So there was a point where I was like, okay, I had my whole year planned out with all these amazing things and it all stopped. So the good thing about that was I've been traveling between 65 to 80,000 miles a year across the country and across the world for, you know, last five or six years. So I didn't know what it was like to kind of just be at home and have like a a life within my community, you know, from Friday through Monday. So all of a sudden this whole new world at home kind of opened up to me. But with that, all the the job opportunities I had, I mean, like you all, I'm, I'm a trainer, you know, I rely on my personal clients to make a significant part of my income that'll shut down. So what was I going to do? My, my racing career shut down, my training career shut down. 
my media career shut down. So one weekend I was supposed to be in Madrid running a race, hanging out in the Mediterranean, enjoying life. And I was sweeping floors in the lumber section of Lowe's because for 14 bucks an hour, just so I could keep a check coming in. Wow. And I looked at that and I'm like, man, I'm like, be a whole lot better to be in the Mediterranean right now than sweeping <laughs> sawdust. <laughs> sawdust and ripped open, ripped open bags of fucking concrete at Lowe's in Chester, New York. But I'm like, you know what? There's a lot of people right now with no job. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I got a job like 10 minutes from my house that was deemed essential and I have something coming in. So for me, I was like, all right, that, that's a huge blessing. So and that's kind of how it's been. It's been lots of different like hustle jobs and opportunities that I had to create for myself and go out there and do just so I could manage until we started to come back online again. You know what I do love? Um, the fact that, you know, you have somewhat, you have a name for yourself in the industry. People know you, you know, you're a talk person for, for some big, you know, competitions and shows. You've appeared in many things. You yourself as a top level coach. Not so often do you see people actually accept the fact that they have to go and now work for a Lowe's or another place for a certain amount of time because they hold themselves so high up. So I have to give it to you because that is definitely not the easiest thing to do. Uh, But obviously, with the time being, there are certain things we have to do, you know, in order to keep ourselves afloat. So kudos to you on that, because I guarantee there's a lot of coaches out there and a lot of individuals who just because out of ego or not wanting to say, oh, I don't, you know. Probably didn't do something like that. So definitely, uh, definitely uh, an example right there. You know, I, I think you could find pride um, and we all have our pride and we all have our egos. But I think no matter what you do, if you're able to switch it in your head, you could find pride in whatever job you take. So, for example, you know, um, I haven't had anybody tell me, hey, go sweep the floor since probably I was in eighth grade. Right. And uh, so if I was asked to do a job. I was like, okay, I'm going to do that job as absolute best I can. You know, I'm going to make that thing, that floor and that area look so awesome that they're going to be like, holy shit. Like this guy really like takes pride in his work. And through that, you find that again, you find that self-esteem and you find that self-worth and, um, and it'll let you, you know, rise above whatever kind of egos or miscon or preconceptions you had about like what it is, what it was to be yourself and to, to go out and redefine that with the same principles that made you great at whatever it is you were doing in the first place, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, that, that verb, right? Like re redefine, right? Well, what is, I I feel like so often people are afraid to kind of buck the normal trend of like what success is and, and, you know, they're afraid to be malleable with the circumstances that they're given. You know, and it's kind of a breath of fresh air to be able to hear someone like yourself, as as Anthony said, like, listen, I got to do what I got to do. Right. Like, and we were talking about it on our last podcast about, you know, people having a lot, people lacking, I should say, resiliency or like grit. You know, a lot of people use that word grit. And in my opinion, and and Anthony, I I know, feels the same way. It's like these hard times, right, are, are really what makes us such great human beings, right? It's like the adversity that we have to face and then get through so that we can really appreciate the good times. You know, it's funny. It's like, I was just thinking about the, uh, the show, the walking dead, right. And the, obviously the never the seen that show. So don't, don't spoil it. Don't no spoilers. 
<laughs> I'll, I'll try not to play any spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen it, but uh, even though there are 10 seasons yeah, in. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, try yeah, catching it, up, Josh. Yeah, You're going to have a lot yeah. of good luck with that. I mean, they stopped that show, what, like three, four years ago? They're like, listen, if you haven't watched that, man, I, you know. I, I don't even yeah, think sitting, at, sitting through the entire COVID, I don't even know if you'll be able to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Game of Thrones. I did watch Game of Thrones <laughs> for the first time. So my uh, my original point was in that show, like obviously the um, the obvious antagonist is you know the zombies, right? And people trying to avoid that and stay alive. And obviously the the other antagonist is the lack of technology and comforts that everybody's used to, right? Um, but the the beauty of what makes that show amazing, and it's it's not after you know after a couple episodes to be like okay you know fucking zombies like you know. <laughs> but what makes that show amazing? is the change and like you said the malleability and the adaptability and the resilience of the characters people in the beginning of that show who were weak you know became strong people that were you know convicts and the dredge of society and you know society's point of view now become heroes people who were heroes and upstanding citizens in the previous world now became the villains you know, so through that vehicle and through that um, that environment that they had to deal with, it brought out all these different parts of what people were. So if deep inside you were a really good person, but you were just going through some rough times and had and had some, you know, some hard circumstances come your way, it gave them the opportunity to kind of redefine themselves. And some people that had everything maybe handed to them or things were great and they thought they were great and they thought they were wonderful people. And they got hit with adversity and all of a sudden the bad stuff really started coming out. And those characters evolve over the course of the show. And we've kind of been like in a mini version of that, you know, like people who maybe thought like, you know, Hey, I'm not really that strong of a person. I'm maybe not that resilient. Um, I'm really not that tough. All of a sudden look back over the last nine months and be like, shit, I just survived that. Like nope. I did whatever I had to do and I got through it. Like I'm a better person than I thought I was. And I think that's one thing that we could all gain out of this i hope that's a lot what a lot of us gained out of it and not the the reverse of that definitely i say it all the time that uh covid is going to be te is testing um especially when it was heavy um pushed on you know all the restrictions it was definitely testing a lot of people's characters and i think you're seeing a lot of the people's you know true side coming out now seeing what they're doing how they're approaching it how they're handling it you know how they're going about it and and you know what it's going to set how it's going to set them up for the future it must have been so rough for you guys hanging on a beach in Miami. Well, we couldn't your, go to the uh, beach. In your man, in your man thongs, like you know, wherever you wanted thongs. to go, getting a tan. It was actually like, it, was, it was terrible because <laughs> I would I would like go to some of my clients' houses to train them on their balconies, and they literally look at the beach, and I just looked at it, and I was like, "Fuck this!" Is, there's not a single person other than maybe like a couple of cops. I'm like, all I want to do, it's I mean, it's April. In May, it's the night <laughs> one of the nicest months to be in Miami, and I can't even go to the fucking beach. See, for him, is a tease because I live in South Miami, so I'm 20 to 30 minutes away from the beach. So just law firms and dentist offices <laughs> yeah. where he, where he <laughs> but it gets strolled out to get a root canal. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's been really interesting here, you know, in Miami, man, because a, a, there, you know, it's not just you know personal trainers and and you know health and wellness. Uh, uh, practitioners in general, but a ton of people in hospitality here, right? Hotels and bars and restaurants and clubs. And 
you know, for that, I feel really, really bad for them because I mean, luckily we can kind of make an adjustment if we have to, we can train people at their houses or we can do it over FaceTime. But like, if you're a waiter, what the fuck do you do? You know, like you literally have no job. You, you literally have no income, you know? So then you do become reliant on the government and, and it does become a lot scarier because obviously the funding hasn't been there that a lot of people have hoped for. Yeah. I mean, and with the, the people that did have money and had the ability to work remotely, you know, like, Hey, yeah, we're supporting, you know, local restaurants and we're ordering out food, but you know, it's like, Hey, thanks for doing your part, but we need to get back to work mm-hmm. because this is not cutting it. And a, a $1,200, um, one-time payment stimulus check, one-time payment, you know, obviously we, we still might be getting another one just does not cut it. I mean, uh, I had to, um, I had to, you know, approach my, my landlord at the time. I've been in the same house for 10 years. And that's a whole nother story, which has a very good ending. Um, I said, Hey, listen, I'm like, you know, like legally, I, I don't even have to pay you rent right now for like the next three months, but I don't want to do that. I'm going to give you what I can and then make it up on the backside. Hmm. And luckily I had somebody I could cooperate with and I've had a longstanding relationship. That was great. But they had some other people who are like, yeah, I didn't have to pay rent for three months, but then you know, but then I got evicted. All, all yeah. rolls around. It's like, hey, you know, you got to pay a big check. Like people needed money coming back in, so um, it's been really tough for a lot of those people. And you know, I mean, you and I, you know, man, we're we're all very fit people, right? So I had the ability to go out and you know chop firewood, you know, be a handyman, move people, you know, work at Lowe's. I was actually I found a an opportunity where I was. I was going in the bushes at a local golf course, collecting thousands of golf balls because you could resell them, you know, in mass Woo! quantities. If you, so I, I collected 5,000 golf balls. That's a Gary V mentality. Golf right balls there. are the new trading card. That's our next. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's amazing. So, I mean, literally crawling. So I was actually being able to make, use my physical fitness to get out there and earn money. I, I live on a lake. And I rented kayaks and paddle boards when the weather got warm out. So I had all these opportunities. A lot of people don't have, didn't have those advantages or the physical acumen to go out there and be able to execute this kind of stuff. Mm. So I was very blessed. And that was another one of the things like, you know what? Like, yeah, my other jobs that I've worked my whole life for to get to that level are, you know, at least at the very least put on pause, but at least I had the ability and the blessings to go out and do these other things so, you know, it was hard for me to complain because there's other people that need to feed their families and pay their mortgages and a lot of other things. And, you know, I had a very low level of responsibility that I was able to maintain. So what would you say is the biggest thing you learned from this, from going from, you know, having this position and, you know, doing all this stuff, traveling, you know, obviously, you know, we all know that you've, you've really obtained some really big successes and, you know, congratulate you on that. And now immediately drop to, you know, doing other things that may be uncomfortable, but you know, you have to do them and you became resilient um, to doing that and knowing that you had to do it and apply it every single day to just be able to survive. What have you learned from this whole experience? I think I'm still trying to figure that out. And the way I'm going to put that is before all this stuff happened, every single day I knew my why, right? My why was TV was training and it was getting ready and staying prepared for races every single day. Like I woke up every single day and if it wasn't racing, it was recovering from a race or getting prepared for a race. So I'm racing 30 to 40 times a year. 
And in between that, I was doing obviously the TV episodes, you know, you know, studying lines, working on material, working on bits, doing all the things I needed to do to have material going to those. So every single day I had this big why I knew what I was and then it was gone. And then I was like, what the fuck am I without all this, all the stuff I was doing? Like, I don't know what to do with myself. So I really had to look deep intrinsically and figure out my why. And a lot of that was, you know, it gave me a chance to step back and spend a lot more time with my family. Like I don't have kids, but my parents are close by. I have nieces close by a couple siblings that are still close by. So I spent a lot more time with them, spent more time with my friends, you know, spent more time looking at myself and trying to do things that just made me a general everyday better person. Um, and that's obviously still a work in progress, but I think finding something other than your job or your sport to give your motivation to go out every day and, and be happy. And again, that's, that's not something I completely figured out yet. It's a work in progress. Yeah. I, I, I feel like a ton of people, including myself are kind of going through that, right? Like, uh, okay. If something like this was to happen again, you know, how can I make sure that me physically I'm, I'm prepared for it, right? Like what are some ways that I can make sure that I'm still able to get my exercise in? What are some ways I'm able to like take care of my nutrition? Right. And like one of the benefits I, I feel that I, I've at least seen with some of my clients is like that they have been cooking from home more. Right. So that's a plus for a, lo- a lot of people, right. Is like that they're, they're able to do things like spend time with their family, but for what are some tips or some piece of, uh, pieces of advice that you can give people that are, kind of going through the same situation, like trying to figure out their new why, like when obviously all of that background noise that you had going on in your life, as important as it may be with races and traveling and TV appearances, right? Like it didn't necessarily fulfill maybe who you were deep down, you know? And again, I'm, I'm just kind of extrapolating um, and making assumptions, but for, for people who are kind of going through that and saying, okay, well, if, I, if, if all the things that I know about myself are taken away from me again, how do I figure out who I am? What are some pieces of, uh, pieces of advice that you could give those people? You know, I, I'd say one of the biggest things that you could do is help other, start by helping other people, you know, do something nice for somebody else. Every single chance you get an opportunity to, because nothing will make you feel better or give you more purpose than helping out another human being and just being good to people. And I think when you do that, you invite the best kind of people into your life. You help someone who maybe never got smiled at the entire day. Maybe you put a smile on their face, especially with, or uh, maybe, with all the masks wearing now, you know, it's difficult yep, for people true. to, to see those yeah. social cues. What, what you've noticed though, every time, you know, you smile at somebody with a mask on, you could always tell by the eyes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got these really, I got these really squinty, like Puerto Rican eyes that always like you can barely, they're like little slits, right? So you could always, you could always see my Spanish, like little slits on the side. And I got my little crow's feet. So you could always tell by the eyes when somebody's smiling at you a lot of the time. Right. So mm-hmm. give somebody a smile. This be good. I mean, it sounds so simple and I hope it doesn't sound cliche, but if you do one thing for somebody else, you're, you're going to invite a lot of good people into your life. You're going to a lot of, a lot of positive energy and I, you know what? I don't know where that's going to go, but generally it goes someplace good. And that's a great place to start. I agree with that 100%. You know, I, I definitely agree with that. And now more than ever, 
besides COVID, with all the times being, all the stuff going on, I think there has to be, you know, more of that, you know, people coming together and being able to um, socialize, connect on, on a real level and, and just be human beings, love each other, be happy. And obviously, it all sounds nice and pretty and we don't live in a perfect world, but I think we can all step up and do a better job of just being able to show up as good moral human beings. Um, with that being said, what have you seen around your community? How have you seen your friends, your family? How has that been for them experiencing what you experienced? Did they take it lightly? Did they take it hard? And um, were, you, were you a voice or help for those people in your community? I think we, uh, I, there was people that were a voice and helpful to me. You know, there was, there was some really dark days, you know, it was, uh, you know, usually I'm used to, you know, people relying on me for certain things I found myself relying on other people for a lot of like an emotional boost. Um, you know, my, my parents live about five miles away. Uh, they're retired and their schedule barely changed. Like for them, like life almost kind of stayed somewhat normal. You know, where, where other people, their, their whole life switched from, you know, the daily commute into New York city and now they're doing it at home. Um, so there, there were so many different switches and, you know, and how I relied on other people, people relied on me. Um, I, I kind of lost track there. What was the original question? So basically like, how did you see your community, the people around you, family, friends, how did they take the whole COVID situation happening? Was it, did they take it lightly? Was it hard on them? Um, how did that, how did that happen for them? And how did they approach that whole situation when it first started? Yeah. I think in the community in general, you know, um, a lot of people, you know, first off, like, you know, got really nervous by things they were seeing in the media. Um, at, at the very beginning, I was like, Hey, this is not going to you know, stop me from doing the things I want to do. And that was pretty naive because pretty soon everything that I wanted to do got dictated to me, whether I wanted the two or not, you know, and I'm like, how bad is this really? And so I think at the very beginning, you know, we all got shut down. It was all kind of a big shock, but I think people really rallied together and were super supportive of each other early on. And I see you guys nodding. It seems like you kind of had the same experience. Oh yeah. Then as, as the weeks went on and you're watching the different kind of results and the different attitudes of people from around the country, around the, the globe, and then how things started to like kind of stretch out and, you know, people are getting out a little bit more and, we started to know a little bit more about what this was. I think there was a different degree. There were some people that still remained very um, cognizant of the rules that we got when it first started. And then there was a lot of other people like, you know what, I just got to live my life. So depending on what your, your personality was and your, your level of understanding or fear or, um, or trepidation to, you know, to COVID and what was going on, I really think that kind of dictated how you reacted to it and how you evolve. Um, you know, I started doing essential jobs immediately. One of the jobs I had was when they were turning the job at center in New York city into a giant hospital, I was working at a construction site next door. So I was exposed to this outdoors in public very early on, right at the beginning, I was working at the job at center in New York city, doing temperature testing for construction workers who were next door to the makeshift hospital that they were making. You know, I was working at Lowe's. So I was, around people the whole time. So, you know, I had my mask on, but my level of comfortability with this um, got pretty good very fast. I wound up getting COVID um, very early on, lost my taste buds for like 
two weeks at least, you know, everything's in my sense of smell, everything wound up coming back. So I kind of went through it. So at that point, it was just like, all right, I'm like, I just got to live with this. Um, but not everybody feels that way. So I have one close friend where someone that she loved dearly, he died not from necessarily COVID, but from the treatment they gave him. They put him on a ventilator too fast. He got a lung infection that spread to a limb and an amputate a leg. And unfortunately, oh, wow. very, yeah, this very talented guy lost his life very prematurely because early on they didn't know what to do properly. And uh, so she's extremely sensitive to this because she lost somebody due to complications of all this. So I just can't like, you know, talk, Hey, yeah, it's not a big deal because I heard it's a very big deal. Um, so I think no matter what your level of comfortability with this is, you always have to, you know, be respectful and cognizant that the other person might not feel that way. So I'm not saying don't go around trying not to offend people, but it's important to understand until you really know how they feel about it to, you know, kind of, you know, I wouldn't say be pretty correct, but just show some discretion on how you, how cavalier you are about it. Yeah. And I think that's a, an important part to make, right? Because perception can become reality, right? And and everyone's perception is a little different based on their own environment, as, as you were just mentioning. And uh, I feel just across the board, not just with COVID, but with a whole lot of things, uh, politics, you know, ju- you know, what people do for their job, their social media status and, and, and notoriety, all of this stuff, right? It's like, there, there isn't a whole lot of understanding in 2020, right? About where people have come from and where they're currently now and how that kind of shapes uh, their thought process behind whatever the topic may be, you know? So how do you personally, you know, take that into consideration before you go ahead? Because, you know, in the social media era, everyone's ready and quick to jump to conclusions, right? So how do, how do you individually kind of handle that and make sure that you're, you know, when the time is necessary, taking a step back and, and kind of looking at everything from a bigger picture? Yeah. As far as social media went, I tried to take the approach where I would just, you know, I tried to just post things that were positive. Um, a lot of those things were posted from things from like the outdoors. Um, I love those posts, by the way. They're yeah. great. It makes me miss, uh, makes me miss central New York, man. So much. No yeah, color, no really, color on the leaves down here. No, that just is pond, no, just pond right. trees. That is right. You do got some nice flowers though. Like, yeah. flowers <laughs> He's like, like, I don't know what you guys are complaining about. <laughs> I get those for like a couple of weeks and then, and then they're done. But it's like, Hey, it's beautiful everywhere you go. It's just always a little different. Right. Um, See, so, yeah, I mean, I, tr- I started posting actually less on social media. Just I had less content to post. And I also didn't want to prophesize to a lot of people on how they should be living their lives. Because, like, I-, I don't know what you're going through. Unless I'm talking to you personally, I really don't have an I- idea what's going on. So even if I saw a post that maybe was somewhat different than what I want, you can always find, like, something that you find positive on it. And, and, and comment on that. Right. And, um, you know, leave a, leave a positive note for, for that. Just, you know, but be clear with it. And if you're, it's kind of like that old saying, like if you don't really have too much to say, nice to say, but probably shouldn't say it at all. Yep. Mm. Um, but the, the other thing is you got to know your audience, right? You got to be able to read the room. And if you, you're in a room where your opinions completely differ and you don't really want to pick a fight, just, measure your words a little better, take some time. And if you can't figure that out, don't hit send. 
and just back away. And there was plenty of times where I just laid off of social media for like, you know, for the most part, other than liking a couple, you know, outdoor things or things that I liked, I would lay off it for days at a time. I just wouldn't go on it. How did you, Um, how did you feel on the, like now kind of having taken a step back for, for a couple of months, like, have you noticed a difference in like your own emotional state? Um, I wish I, I honestly, I wish I had those really awesome things that we were doing in the, in the racing and the media world to, to post. But at the same time, going back to the original part of our sentence, it made me recreate, like have to think about, Hey, you know, why am I on social media? Mm-hmm. Is it to, is it to, you know, make money off certain social posts and to, and to put out my agenda, you know, so I could, uh, progress professionally, or is it just to like show people, Hey, this is kind of like what I like doing and this is my life. And, you know, I want to share it with you. You know, and and that's where I just started like posting more pics from like nature because that was really what kind of like I was doing. And I didn't want to get into a whole lot of other stuff. And everybody has their own comfortability with that. And I'm never telling anybody what to do. Um, but for me, it was nice, like emotionally, just to take a step back and not have to like feel like, okay, I gotta post today because sponsor X wants this and I'm trying to build momentum for a TV job Y. And I really need to, you know, promote myself for this or Z. I just, you know, let it just all go. And then, Hey, if people still like to follow me, great, whatever. But once you start, I stopped losing, uh, the ability to make money like online. Um, I would just, somebody's just tried walking in the door while I was here. I just had to shut it. Um, sorry about that. Um, but once I stopped losing the ability to really kind of start hustling online for those, those sponsorships and the other things I needed to do, it was just like a whole lot of pressure gone. I didn't care about it anymore. I think we can all nice. agree that, that I can imagine. Oh yeah. 100%. And <laughs> I think we can all agree that, you know, the social media world has its, its, its highs, its lows, you know, bads and goods and like anything, you know, um, but one thing I did come to realize is also too, when you share content um, like that, that has to do with things you like, hobbies, who you are. A lot of people resonate and connect better with that, um, believe it or not. You know, a lot of people actually, you come to find that a lot of people um, that maybe weren't connecting with you before will start connecting with you because they're seeing these different types of uh, um, posts coming on that are actually more about like, okay, this is all other things I like to do, or I love nature, things that they might not have known because our pages were so business driven or so much one way driven. Fast forwarding to where you are now, um, obviously we're still in COVID. There's still certain restrictions, but a lot of things have shifted. A lot of things are changing. And obviously um, today we're going to see what's going to happen as well with the elections. But fast forwarding to today, where do you stand today? What are some of the things you are doing now that changed from the, the really hard restrictions we had with COVID? Um, you having to you know work with Lowe's and do other and collecting the golf balls and all that stuff. Where are you today now? Obviously I know you were talking about your, we mentioned about training your gym. How is that going for you? What new things have you ventured into? Uh, what are you doing right now to just keep yourself going? Well, actually I don't have a gym. This is a gym that I just work out in. Cause I just try to separate, you know, work from my own personal fitness. Um, so this is just a club that I'm a member at. But uh, what's good is I've gotten back to training. You know, clients have started coming back and be able to pick up with the restrictions being, you know, lifted from what they are. I mean, I, I have a different array of clients. So basically, no matter what people's comfortability is, 
I have to, you know, I set a professional standard of this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to treat everybody the same way as if they were highly sensitive to this situation because I'm going to certain people's homes that are very sensitive, right? And working with them. And they need to know when I'm working with other people that I'm taking those same kind of precautions. So that has allowed me to be able to come back online and kind of have a, a normal career as far as that goes. Um, I've been in consulting with a the first obstacle course racing fitness facility in the United Arab Emirates. It's called Desert Shield. Yeah, it's the only the second obstacle course racing gym in all of the Middle East. And I've been working with them for the past six, seven months, working on programming, working on marketing, working on all these different things. So so I've been consulting with them. And that's been a, a fantastic opportunity because the uh, the guys out there that are running this gym, there's great people. Um, it's introduced me to a whole new different culture, a whole new different world of people who love fitness and love obstacle course racing. And so there's a lot of exciting things coming out there. And fortunately for me, I'll be able to go out in a couple months and work on a couple of projects in person, as great. opposed to just doing Zoom calls, you know, once or twice a week. So that, that's that been a brilliant opportunity that uh, presented itself to me, which is fantastic. And um, and then the house that I had been renting for for ten years, I'm finally buying. I'm going to be hey. going into contract. Congrats, Congrats, man! Thank you. I'm going to be going into contract this week, and this is after a tree fell on it three months ago. Oh, oh shoot! Uh, everything so, good with the house now? Or yeah, two? It'll be two days from now. It'll be three months that a tree fell on it. Because the tree fell on it, I was able to get a lot of nice new things in and outside of the house I normally wouldn't have had. There because of that. So, it was a, so the tree it worked was in your perfect. favor. Exactly. And a, now you have no more tree. <laughs> fall on your house. I was in the house when it happened. It was, uh, oh, it was pretty nuts watching your dining room get, watching it caved in Holy right in front of your crap. face. Huge tree. But, um, the world is ending. It was, <laughs> it, was, it was a perfect microcosm of what the 2020 was. Really bad fucking thing happens. Tree falls in your house. And then because of that, I get a lot of new things that are placed in there. And my landlord is finally ready to sell after that one. (laughs) She don't want to deal with that again. So it was like, again, (laughs) blessings in the skies coming from all over the place. So if you're listening to this now, whatever shitty thing happens, just accept it, embrace it, show gratitude for it because something else is good coming your way. That's right. How, how would you, how do I want to phrase this? How do you balance? I mean, given how you were traveling before, you know, how do you balance your training schedule? You're you're still training people in person with all of that travel. You know, it's something that I have always found to be, you know, the most difficult part about what I do is when I have to travel, how do you take care of your clients? Yeah. Most of, uh, most of my clients I train throughout the week. Right. So it's mostly like a Monday afternoon through like Thursday evening, maybe Friday morning. And for anything I had to do within the United States, it was always very, even if I had to go to the West coast, um, it was easy for me to like hop a plane at like one o'clock, especially if I'm going to the West coast, cause I gained the time, mm-hmm. head out to wherever I had to go and then bump a red eye the next, you know, that Sunday night or that Monday morning, depending on, on where I was at and get back into town and keep working, you know? And, um, it was a nice way to kind of get back into the life too. So luckily for me, I I was able to adjust my client, my clients with my schedule. Um, the people that I choose to work with are also people that, 
then accept the fact that I'm going to be gone from certain amounts of times. But there's very few times throughout the year where I'm, say, bumping out for like a week or two weeks or stuff like that. Those are seldom far and in between. So most of the times it's just weekend. It's weekend gigs. Hustle out and hustle back. You know, with the exception of the world's toughest race, Eco Challenge. You did the Eco Challenge? I was a assistant cameraman slash producer on it. Wow. So I love, so, by the way, I love that. I, I, I had watched it twice. I had to watch it a second time on Amazon. I was like, what? One of my clients on that, she's like, you got to fuck, you got, you know, and she's a big cyclist. Like you got to fucking watch this. This is unbelievable. I'm like, how? It was amazing. So you remember in the first episode where the lead American team was in the boats? Hammering it. Hammering it. And then this guy asked him to like, why aren't you using your sails? And the guy gave a very like kind of condescending answer right before he had to drag his buddy through the jungle with a freaking leash. Uh huh. With from heat stroke. I was the guy asking the question. (laughs) (laughs) That's so sick. That's awesome. He gave it this this snotty condescending answer, which is counterintuitive to kind of how the guy really is from what I know about him, uh, from heard about him. He's like, really nice guy worked really hard at his craft, like super competitive, but he wound up looking real bad after coming, you know, answering the question that way and then burning, crashing and burning, tanking. I know it's great. Can you you explain what, what the world's uh, toughest race, like the ego challenge is for, for those people who don't know uh, much about it. The ego challenge was, it, it was a big time adventure race. So it was being held about two decades ago that they decided to bring back Thank um, God. Amazon. I know with Bear Grylls as the host. And basically what it is, it's an adventure race. It's more of an expedition with a clock on it. So the, all the athletes and the teams, there's teams of four um, with a, a person who kind of helps them out at these different checkpoints, make a fifth member. And they have to navigate with a map and a compass through the ecology of whatever area in the world they're at. And this one was in Fiji. So they started in a river and they had to paddle out into the ocean and sail to an Island. Uh, from there, they, they're mountain biking. They're rock well, climbing. They were supposed to be mountain biking, but it's, it, <laughs> I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but man, that's a, a difficult, yeah. difficult. And just venture. because they say, Hey, you have to get your bike from point A to pipe B. Doesn't mean that you're just riding. like <laughs> There's, most of the, some of the times you're, it's a lot more complex than just biking. Um, there involves whitewater rafting, um, involves, you know, power hiking, running, um, you know, stand up paddle boarding, every, all these different forms of self propulsion that these teams have to perform each one of the checkpoints in the areas they get to have a time limit on it. So they have to make sure that they're hustling. And if they get lost, there is no one to help them. So they have to Crazy. navigate through everything. Um, and you have 10, and, you have 10 days, right? Like there, you can rest when you want to rest. You know, if you don't want to sleep, you don't have to sleep, but just try to finish it as fast as possible. Right. They actually had to, there, there was actually mandatory sleep for every 24 hours. Mm. You had to sleep at least two of those. So you literally had to use sleep credits because some of these teams we're hammering through on maybe like a half hour sleep and they just keep going. I mean, that New Zealand team was like, be, was beasting it. Be that, yeah. that, that one guy's like the top eco racer in the world. That's on that. Right. New Zealand yeah, team. Incredible. Like phenomenal. Every day they were forced to rest and sleep for at least like two hours. Like they had to stop. But, um, how was that experience? How was that experience for you? Sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, but like, it no, was it's like- okay. It was, um, it's funny. I did a podcast about this about three weeks ago. 
it was <laughs> it was it was like COVID. It was the the greatest, <laughs> the greatest yet most difficult emotional and emotionally draining and physically draining experience of my life. You know, it was you know we were as a as a crew we're we're doing this for about three three weeks straight. Um, because when the first team finishes, you're still out there until the last team finishes, right? Uh-huh. Or until the last team's on the course. So we were put in all the, the crazy conditions they were. I had a job as a, my first and most primary job was an assistant cameraman. And originally, like, I thought that just meant and was, you know, pretty much told that that was basically being like a super Sherpa. So I'd be carrying around the equipment and helping the camera crew I was teamed with to get them into all the gnarly spots that we needed to get into in the mountains and the jungles and the rivers and the oceans, you name it. Right. Um, but then I also had to learn the tech, the technical aspect of it. And I am not great with technology, you know? So for me, it was like, imagine whatever it is you, you, that freaks you out, right? Like if you're not good at programming something, whatever it is that you think you're terrible at or any experience at, it doesn't matter what it is. Imagine having to do that. I'm like no sleep for weeks on end in the, in the middle of the pissing rain in the jungle, in the mud, in a river, in the middle of the night, on no sleep, on little food. And the food you have is kind of shitty food because it's like MREs. And every day it's just getting harder and harder to focus and know what you got to do. And you got a checklist of a million things. And every time you think you got that right, there's 10 new things thrown at you. So, <laughs> so- for me, it was three steps forward five steps back, get yelled at, you know, accept <laughs> negative and constructive criticism, do one thing right. And then get kicked in the face again. It was like that for three weeks. It was wow. nuts. That's so, so work at Lowe's and collect golf balls or do that again. I would do that again. A heartbeat. <laughs> now being, you know, I'd still be doing it if they let me do it. Being an adventure racer yourself. Do you, I mean, have you ever participated in something like that? Like as, as an athlete, do you plan on it in the future after kind of experiencing that from, from the production side? You know, I've done ultra marathons, like in, in the Andes, um, you know, down in uh, Chile. It's amazing. Um, I've done, you know, the Spartan ultra beast in Vermont. Um, as of right now, I really don't have any aspirations to do a really long adventure race mainly because my, my career as an athlete right now, my kind of sweet spot for where I'm good is anything from say like a mile to about eight, right. Depending on like the shorter it is, the more physical fitness and like rep based, uh, concepts I'll have in it. And the longer it gets stretched out and obviously the more running, but my sweet spot is kind of one to eight and my bullseye in that sweet spot is about a 5k. Right. That's, that's kind of like my bullseye. So if I go out and do an adventure race, the training that leads up to that takes me out of my sweet spot. Mm. The fatigue that I gain dirt that I get during it will make the recovery after that so long. So that, that would take probably about four to five months of me really being kind of out of my element. I'm not saying I wouldn't do it, I just think that at this time right now, because I'm, I'm clicking on all cylinders in my sweet spot, I'd like to keep doing that. And if I ever have sure. a drop off, then it'd be time to explore some other things like a long adventure race like that. But for me, I really love the media side of it. I want to continue working behind the Definitely scenes. Yeah, and, it uh, sounds, sounds very yeah, interesting. I love it. 
All yeah. right, so mm-hmm. what we got to do is we got to get Josh in there to Fuck do that. Fuck no. I, six <laughs> miles through 40-degree yeah, water. This guy hates Listen, running. I grew, up, I grew up in upstate New York. I know what that cold-ass water feels like. <laughs> I moved to Miami for a reason. All right? <laughs> bathtub and, and bathtub. bathtub and hotter, okay? Oh, man. And so, that, that was the crazy thing about Fiji was on the first day, you know, we're out in the ocean, and you saw how hot it was. Oh, the, dude the had American a heat. The, the American team had one guy had a heat stroke. Right. And then you got up into these really high elevations and the water was freezing cold and people were going hypothermic. So you had all these, these different levels of extremes and people wouldn't think of that Fiji. They're thinking resorts. They're thinking like, you know, yeah, I'm thinking maybe like an ATV on the beach, you know, Pina Colada mountains, right? Miami's are mountains. And like, Oh man. And I, I tell you what, like I spent three days on, on this, this island, this little like kind of private deserted island where they do, they film all the survivor episodes. So I'm like, you know, I'm there by myself. Is that the, like the island the that they're on for the, for the finale, right? Like when they cross the finish line, that's the same island they did survivor on. No, the finish line is called Mana Island. That's where the crew generally stays and they have like a okay. hotel. It's more of a resort Island. The Island where the last checkpoint was that I had to sit at for like three days is about 45 minutes away. Oh, wow. And it's where they isolate all the people from Survivor on there. Dude, I was there for three days. I would never want to fucking go on Survivor ever. (laughs) It is is so boring. It is so so boring and really fast. You get over like how beautiful the water is, how many gorgeous shells there are on the ground (laughs) that you can pick for your girlfriend. You know, um, you know, once you've explored the island a little bit, and you're just coming across like rotting dead animals <laughs> and smelly water and just, you know, and just bugs. And, you, you know, like, you're just like forget all the beautiful, all the beautiful aspects of tropical weather that nobody, <laughs> nobody pays attention to. God, God. I mean, it was so cool. But like after two days, I'm like, all right, I had enough. I don't know how fucking Forrest Gump did it. <laughs> so, so what's the wildest Tom experience? Hanks on that one island. <laughs> yeah. What's the wild experience, wildest experience you had personally on that show? Um, I'd say the craziest thing that happened was the first night we were chasing the athletes. We had a, a lot of these towns and villages in that, on the main Island, there's like multiple, there's the same name for multiple towns. So we had to go to one town called Vatu Karasa. We got there. It was the wrong Vatu Karasa. The one we had to go to was was fucking six hours away. Jesus. Everybody's pissed off. We're pissed off at the driver. Like we're, we're hungry. So it's like 11 o'clock at night. We're starving. We still got to where we got to go. And uh, we're like, look, look man, we got, we got to pull over, get something to eat. And we see this like kind of roadside shack and all the places to go to eat kind of look like, you know, these roadside kind of shacks, almost like a, you know, like a food truck. Mm-hmm. So, so we see people out picnic tables, hanging out. So we're like, all right, we'll go over there. We'll get some food. So me and the, the, the cameraman, he's like this, 65 year old guy, good dude. And we walk up, we're like, Hey, um, is there ever we just sit down? Like, you know, where are we going to order? And they're like, what are you talking about? Because most of the people there speak pretty good English. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, is this a, a restaurant? He's like, no, he's like, it's a funeral. Wow. Said, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I really apologize. We thought maybe this was like, uh, you know, like a cafe. They're like, no, no, no. We just, we just celebrate, you know, like really enthusiastically when somebody dies, like they, they, they throw more of a party and he's like, Hey, do you want to, you want to stay and hang out? And as he's saying that, all you hear is 
Wow. <laughs> like, what the fuck is that? They're literally like right next to us. They were slaughtering a pig. Pig roast. Right? So they cut its throat and they freaking stabbed it. And the, the pig's like, you know, the pig is oh, just fluttering. And I'm, so I'm watching this pig get, get, you know, tuned up, like killed. And I know, like, all right, first of all, I'd have to wait like 10 hours for that thing to be ready. And I'm like, you know, I got 10 hours. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I kind of lost my appetite. Seeing <laughs> the thing gets freaking slaughtered. And this is a funeral so like, Yeah, exactly. I'm like, what am I supposed to say? So I'm like, we're like, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Again, sorry for your loss. Like, have a great night. And like, and we, we got out of there. Um, but yeah, that was kind of like really early on. One of the crazier things that happened. That's wow. Insane. That's wild, man. I mean, it's, it seems like you've really led uh, one hell of a life so far, man. <laughs> I mean, between, you know, all the adventure races yourself and, and, you know, getting to be on the production side of things with, with, uh, the, the world's most difficult, world's most difficult race. That's what they call it on Amazon. Correct. World's toughest race. World's toughest yeah. race. Right. I was fucked. You could challenge Fiji. Yeah, there yeah. we go. It you know, I can only imagine how high your ceiling is is going to be in the future, man. It seems like you know, no matter what happens, you've you've really been able to, you know, shake the adversity, embrace the adversity, and, and make the most of it. Uh, we're almost at an hour, and uh, you know, before Mendez sends you a couple of rapid fire questions, I I personally want to say thank you for coming on and kind of sharing uh, a little bit about the ins and outs of who you are and and you know what you as you know a person as an athlete as a coach what you're really about man it's been great to hear yeah really, really you. as you can it. see i'm really crappy with technology too because i keep knocking the phone down but <laughs> it's all good um, it's all good. Like, um you know today it's actually like um you know i'll say before and you know like obviously sarah's like you know today's election day it's a very kind of unsure very scary you know day for everyone uh, no matter what side you're on um what I mean, hopefully we're all on the same side that we just, we love America. We love our country. We want it to be the best version whatever it can be. And um, we all have our, our, obviously our different political leanings, but if people could just sit down and talk like we were today about positive, amazing things and find the good in people. And, you know, just talking to you guys today, it just totally elevated my spirit. You know, I'm I, I went here, this man. morning and you're on a, you're on a line for a while and you're looking at a lot of very dreary kind of uncertain faces. So to get on here right now, you just, you guys gave me a shot Woo! of positive energy that I hope I can carry Woo! right into 2021. That's, That's right. awesome. Where can people uh, reach out to you, Kevin? They could find me on Instagram. It's Kevin under slash Donahue under slash. Um, and on Twitter it's at K Donahue lives. Um, so like anytime you want to send me an inbox, send me a message, like reach out if you have any questions about anything, you know, I, I love talking to new people, no matter who they are. Awesome. Awesome, brother. So I'm going to hit you with three questions. Number Let's one. Hope you're ready. <laughs> Number one. We'll start soft. All right. What is your favorite fitness tool in the world? And if you had to pick that one, would it be that one to only use? If you were Tom Hanks on that island, what would you bring with you right other now, than a uh, volleyball? <laughs> yeah, I actually got a good answer for this, a legit answer. It's called a RAM. It's R-A-M. It stands for Recycle and Move. It's a piece of fitness equipment uh, made by these great guys in Ireland. And what it is, it's a rubber cylinder that's hollowed out just at the end so you could grab it almost like a PVC pipe. It come in, comes in weights from 55 to 44 to 33, all the way down to about nine pounds. 
And it's an incredible piece of equipment because you can do so many different functional movements with it. And being, and it takes up a very, very small footprint wherever you place it. It's about the, you know, the size of a, a coffee can as far as the, the um, wow. circumference of it. So um, to get, have a piece of equipment like that, that has um, a really good desired weight that you could do a very large quantity of exercises with is definitely probably my favorite, most important piece of exercise equipment that I have right now. Sounds similar to the Viper. Yeah. <clears throat> kind of like I'm that, right? I'm not familiar with that. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, definitely. And we'll have to look that one up. Yeah, I know, right? I've never heard of that. I'll have to check it out. But yeah, it so it's just like RAM. You'll love it. Great. And awesome. it's a, it'd, be a great, it'd be a great piece of equipment for your gym as well. Awesome. And they're also in, at uh, Instagram. I think it's like at Ram Training. All right, I'll awesome. check that out right after this. Awesome. Number two, what was the craziest competition you ever did yourself personally the craziest competition i ever did had to be the second season of spartan ultimate team challenge uh we actually shot that show at an old walking dead site if you're familiar walking dead we filmed it at terminus right so to be in a place where you know like that tv show was shot where people were literally getting like you know, murdered all over the place. And like, you know, people's heads are getting chopped off and then you're there and it's like this big Halloween crazy effect place. And to do it at night against all these crazy teams with the amazing team that I had um, and to be successful and, you know, MJ Acosta from the NFL network is like, you know, the reporter there and Nick Sick. Swisher from Fox, from Sick. Fox baseball was like a sideline reporter. Wow. And Apollo Anton Ono is like, you know, yelling things out about my calf muscles. It was, <laughs> it was yes. nuts. Like it was the most wildest thing I ever did. And then when it was over, I'm back at my house, like, like six hours later. Cause the second we got eliminated, they put you on a plane and send you home. And you're like, what the fuck just happened? Like, <laughs> was this my life? So, uh, the next one would have to be probably a million dollar mile. Cause you're out there with like, you know, one second, I'm like hanging out with Tim Tebow doing the Tebow, doing the Tebow with, with Tebow. Right? <laughs> and then I'm ziplining off the top of the skyscraper in downtown Los Angeles down insane. to a stage in front of like, Oh, it's nuts. Just that's insane. All, I mean, yeah, just crazy well, ass times. You have sure experienced a lot of things. Hell yeah, <laughs> man. I, I need all, I need that life. I'm sure we could do a whole podcast just on your experience. Yeah. We need another one. You got to come down to Miami for sure. Yeah, this time you'll be, Dude, we got to we'll blow out whenever we can. Man, <laughs> yeah, let's sure. do it. So last question, what is the biggest piece of advice you can leave off to all our listeners today? Oh, man. You know, we're in a crazy world right now with a lot of people at each other's throats. Forgive and forget and move on and we're happy with your life. Woo! Way to end that one. I know. What, a, what an important message for today. One more time, Kevin. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you coming on here. It means a lot to us. Yeah, thank you, brother. Really Guys, do. thank you so much for having me again. I mean, the, the shot of energy you just gave me, like going forward, is going to be awesome. And hopefully, I see you at some events real soon in the future. Definitely. Oh, yeah, definitely. We'll and come out and we support. Can support. You let us know. Yeah, for sure, man. All right, guys. Likewise. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Sweat It Out with Anthony Mendez and Josh Evans. Enjoyed this episode? Make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review.